Hey guys, obviously uh, you're watching this uh, this weekend and this has been just uh, the last couple weeks in our country have been unbelievable, the injustice that we have all seen and experienced and you're having probably a lot of conversations in your home. So that's really what we wanna do uh, for this service. We've just kind of taken a chance to stop a little bit and jump out of our normal rhythm and flow of our teaching and preaching and talk about really what's going on in our country. But it's, it's interesting, the series that we're in, 2020 Embracing a New Vision, we're really going to do that today. We're really going to really embrace a new vision for race and injustice and see exactly how Jesus speaks into that. So uh, those of you who are at New Vision, you understand a lot of the people that you see here around me, you know, but I want to go ahead and introduce them. At first, let me start over here with Ross Harvey. Now, again, you can see Ross has the exact same shirt on that I have. If this was great. A few minutes ago, he just he showed up and we were about ready to get filmed. And the look on his face was priceless. Like, I'm wearing the same shirt as Pastor Brady. Now, for me, it felt great. I felt like I'm winning here. Come on, come on. Feeling really good. You know, still got it. But so he's struggling a little bit. But we're, Ross, thank you for joining and being a part of that. And uh, obviously, you know, uh, Nick Person. Nick does just a great job on our staff. And he has really helped our entire staff team this last week really work through uh, what's been going on. We've had some conversations that have yeah. been hard, but really helped. Helpful. So I'm thankful to you. Thanks for being a part of this today. And then Nikki Tig is here. Nikki, thanks for uh, joining in. And all of them are going to just in, really be involved in this conversation today. So I hope it's uh, something that's encouraging to you. You know, 2020 is not going to be a year that we're ever going to forget. It's no. just kind of the hits keep mm. on coming. It's, you know, a medical pandemic. We're in the middle of really a cultural pandemic. Yeah. I mean, with what's going on today. And and ultimately, I think it just shows that we're in a spiritual pandemic. Yeah. And I think we'll see that today. You know, all of us have seen now the images of, of George Floyd's murder. And every time that we see it, I think we're, we're just gripped with so many different emotions, uh, just from anger to just outrage, uh, sadness. And we can just see what's going on all around our country, really all around the world uh, right now. And so I, I think what, for me, you guys may agree, you may disagree, and I think what has happened is this, this incident has really kind of just ripped open uh, some wounds that are there and deep-seated. We, we think maybe, certainly maybe in the white community, that we're further along than perhaps we are with race relations. And then something like this happens, and we're reminded that prejudice is real and justice is still a part of our everyday life. And I think that's what's really hard. And so in this series, we've, we've said all along... Uh, just really what the Proverbs teach us, with, without a vision, people perish. And so vision is really seeing as God sees. And so we really want to take a look from Scripture today and really see uh, how the Scripture teaches us to have a correct vision of each other, different races, and what, is, what does Jesus have to say to speak into that? So when we see as Jesus sees, then we can really behave uh, correctly in this situation. So that's what we're looking at. So you're there at home watching online, and I'd just encourage you just to grab your scripture, maybe your smartphone, any of your devices that you use to look up the, the Word of God. Let's go to John chapter 4, and there are a lot of passages, guys, that we could have picked to kind of uh, explore and, and, and see and deal with race issues, but I think this is probably a pretty good place for us to be. So let's begin in John chapter 4, looking in verse 1, and I'm going to just uh, kind of stop and let you guys sort of intera interact with this text as it, kind of, as it unfolds in our, really in our life today. John chapter 4, verse 1, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees has heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. When I was reading through that, I thought, you know, we think about prejudice, or we, we, we think about discrimination. It just comes in all shapes and sizes. And, and so you have here, you have Jews 
Mm. Uh, I mean, they're they're of the same yoke. I mean, these mm. are Jewish people, but they're they're different tribes, even in that group, and they're angry and with each other and jealous of each other. So it it exists in so many different ways. It says, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. It says, so Jesus left Judea. So this would have been the southern part of the nation of Israel. And so he's making his way back up to where he's from in, in Galilee. He's making his way north. Um, and says, so he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now let's look at verse 4. We're going to park here for just a second because I think this is a, this is a verse that we need to unpack. I think it has a lot to say to what we're going through today. It says, now he, meaning Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So Nick, I want to bring you in here, but before I do, we understand this, this, this region called Samaria. This is where the Samaritans lived. There was intense prejudice yeah. between the Samaritans and the Jews. They did not like each other at all. And so you may wonder what was going on here. Well, the Samaritans were a group of people that when the Assyrians came in and destroyed Jerusalem, uh, they were taken captive, but they did not maintain just their national heritage. They began to intermingle and intermarry with the Assyrians. And so they really formed a, a whole new, for the Jews, a separate race. So the Jewish people just they ostracized them. Yeah. And so there was intense hatred from the Jews toward Samaritans and Samaritans toward Jews. Yeah. And so the average Jew, as he was taking the journey that Jesus taken what from Judea up to the north, would never walk through mm. Samaria. Yeah. You know, he skirted around. Mm. He wouldn't cross the tracks, so yeah. to speak. But Jesus does. But it's interesting what the scripture says. It says, now he had to go through yeah. Samaria. So this is intentional yeah. uh, on his part. So in the midst of this, I want to ask you a hard question. And I, okay. and I know the answer because we've talked about this. Um, <laughs> yeah. But everything that's gone on over the last couple mm -hmm. weeks, I'd like for you to talk for just a few moments about what has been the most difficult part for you to work through this. Well, and, and we have had lots of conversations about this, but... I think really kind of when it hit, it was already hard and heavy and seeing George Floyd's video was heavy and it did pull off a scab. Um, and then I remember on Thursday we have prayer meeting and um, in that moment, my heart is just broken. I feel the weight of injustice. I feel all these emotions, everything from anger to sadness to wondering if people see me and do they really understand what I'm going through. And so we're sitting in prayer time. We pray every day as a staff, Monday through Thursday. And I'm sitting there as we're on this Zoom meeting and talking through prayers. And I'm I'm really praying to God. I'm like, hey, God, I just need for my friends who are in the struggle, who are on staff with me, I just need them to see me. I just really need somebody to say, hey, I'm praying for all the injustice we have seen. And so we go through prayer time and, um, and we get to the part when we're about to start praying and no one said anything. And... I just, my heart was hurt. Um, and my heart was hurt because I just wanted these people who were in it with me, right, to just feel the pain I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I I decided to pray, and I prayed for George Floyd's family and whatnot, and it just was heavy mm -hmm. um, because I knew that the staff loves me and they're for me and we're together, but it didn't feel like it in that moment. It, it just felt like... I don't know. It just felt like I wasn't seen or wasn't heard. And, you know, Sunday it was still wearing heavy on me. And just because I wanted so desperately for someone just to feel the things I was feeling and to acknowledge that the hurt I was feeling was a right hurt. And, hey, we are with you and we see you. And so I think the silence was just deafening. It was... It was a feeling of not being seen and not being heard. And so it was hard. I mean, it really was difficult. And we leaned into those things on Monday at our staff 
prayer time, but it was hard. It really, really was hard. And uh, I think that's been the hardest thing of of people who are united together through the gospel, but yet it didn't feel like it because I didn't feel like we were all bearing the burden. And yeah. uh, it felt like because of the hue of my skin, I bore it. But but yeah, that was hard. Yeah, That was hard. And I appreciate you being honest mm-hmm. and being honest enough with me to talk mm-hmm. about where you were. That was helpful. And I think for me as a as just a white man in the midst of mm-hmm. this to, to listen, learn to listen a whole lot more yeah. than ever, ever before. Yeah. And what we see in this passage, verse 4, Jesus had to go there. Yeah. So he steps into the, the awkwardness. Yeah. He steps into the prejudice, the injustice, mm-hmm. all that, and, and he goes there. And so for, for us, I think what I'm hearing you say yeah. is that sometimes you, you just needed me to go there. Yeah. You needed me to step into that. Not, I can't fix that, but step in and say, yeah. I'm sorry that you're hurting and speak to that. Yeah. And so I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to, to do that. So if we're going to just kind of put together just a little outline today, mm-hmm. maybe the, the first thing that I think this, this scripture teaches us, and it's a point that you made so well, a person of vision. And when we say vision throughout this series, vision is really seeing as God sees, have, having God's perspective in life. And so a person of vision, obviously we're talking about race relations here, but a person who sees as God sees in this area of their life is just willing to go there. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great place for us to yeah. start. You know, we're just willing to go there and have just those difficult conversations and at least just acknowledge the pain, the fear, right, that, that you're having. So, because when we avoid things, and I think that's what we do sometimes, that to me seems too close to suppression. Yeah. And right, suppression really says, I, I know, but I don't want to know. Yeah. And, and really suppression, in many ways, fueled slavery. Um, and so... That's one of the things I've learned from this mm. as avoidance for me when I avoid it, when I don't go there, that's really pretty close to suppression and that's a pretty dangerous place to be. Yeah. So um, thank you for thank you for helping me with that yeah. um, for sure. Let's uh, continue to, to look on down now, picking up in verse five. And we're going to kind of continue this this story. Jesus is making his way through Samaria. Again, a group of people. Obviously, Jesus doesn't have this this prejudice, but the people there had it against him as a Jew. And and all of uh, Jesus' uh, Jewish brothers and sisters would have had prejudice toward the Samaritans. They would have looked down on him for even going there, right? So we're picking up in in verse 9. And it says that Jesus came to a town in Samaria called uh, Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Now, sometimes I think, Ross, I want to I bring you in. Sometimes when we read Scripture, there, there are kind of some things in Scripture where we think, well, that, that's interesting, but, you know, this, this plot of ground that Jacob had uh, given to his son Joseph. But I don't know if that's super important. Well, uh, every word in Scripture is there for a reason. Right, And so beginning to understand that. So one of the things here is the Samaritans and the Jews, they really couldn't agree on anything, <laughs> but, but they loved them some Jacob. They agreed on Jacob. That was sort of, sort of common ground. So the setting here speaks volumes, right? Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman uh, came up to draw water. So th- this just kind of, for me, it just it sort of has that look of just a Hollywood film. This is a defining moment. Here, here she comes uh, down to the well, and Jesus speaks to her. He says, will you give me a drink? Now, when he, when he says this, we talked about this a little bit this week, Nikki, he's pushing through just a ton of social barriers. I mean, he is, he is going there, right? For a Jewish man to even speak to a Samaritan woman, would have never happened. And then to ask for a drink, to drink from, he doesn't have a cup, to drink from her cup, 
uh, that would have made him ceremonially unclean. I mean, he is just ramming through these walls of separation in just a, in an amazing way. Uh, his disciples, the scripture tells us his disciples aren't there. They'd gone into town to buy, buy food. But so, so we see this. Here the woman comes. Jesus asks this question of her, to, speaks to her, shows an act of love, even asks for a drink from her cup. And so, Ross, as you take a look at this section of scripture here, uh, what do you think this section teaches us or are some keys in this section about race reconciliation? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, think that uh, the key is exactly what you said. It's that common ground that Jesus finds with the Samaritan woman. They didn't have that much in common at all, but here was something that they could both stand on. And the thing is that even as they saw each other and realized where they were, they would have both known that, okay, this is something that we both have in common. Our history, our, our cultural cultural history and our religious history, Jacob, is in this. So as uh, we're standing here, it's not an accident, right? And God's mm-hmm. sovereignty, this is definitely something that he has planned out. Uh, and so they're at Jacob's well, and they realize that even though they don't have that much in common, they have this in common. And what mm-hmm. that allows is for Jesus to begin this conversation. And so as we think about racial reconciliation and, and really um, diving into this this uncomfortable uh, portion of talking about race and racial tension, I think that's the important place to begin is that common ground, um, really not ignoring the differences that we have because they yeah. can be beautiful and uh, we can really learn a lot from each other as we, uh, as we talk about our differences. Yeah. Uh, but the place that we begin is, is the commonalities. Uh, for example, I think about uh, my wife, Lindsay. Uh, we don't look alike. Uh, right. We grew up differently, uh, and we've had different life experiences. Right. Um, but I think about our first date, right? If I would have approached our first date together and I just harped on the things that we had that were different, mm-hmm. or I'd, all I focused on was the things that we had that were, were not alike, I think that would have been an easy way to not get a second date. Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but instead, what do we do? We talked about the the interests that we shared. We talked about um, the things that we had in common, the things that we both didn't like. And what did that allow? We didn't ignore those difficult conversations. We didn't ignore those points of tension. But we started with the foundation of, of commonality. And I think that is the key. As we go and have conversations with people that don't look like us, uh, with think, with people that we don't share as much in common with, we find those points of, of commonality, uh, and that begins to lay the foundation for those tougher conversations. And another interesting thing that I think Jesus did is the first question that he asked the woman uh, at the well. He says, can I have a drink? Mm-hmm. Now, you said, we saw in the next verse that the disciples have gone into the city to buy food. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to buy food for someone, I'm probably going to come back and I'm going to give them a drink as well. Right. You guys went all that way and you didn't <laughs> say that to drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to bring up something to drink right. as well. So did Jesus really need the woman at the well to give him a drink? I would say that I don't think that he did. But what was he, what was he getting at? What was he beginning to show her? He asked her for a drink, but at the end of the conversation, as we continue through this text, we'll see that he really wanted to offer her something. He really wanted to go out of his way to serve her. And as we think about racial reconciliation, I think the best way uh, for us to get into these conversations and step into one another's shoes and one another's experiences is is to serve together mm-hmm. uh, and then also serve one another. Serving mm-hmm. someone who doesn't look like you is a, a great way to really get in the trenches with them, mm-hmm. to learn to be in their experiences and then be able to listen and learn 
from them. And so uh, I think we see Jesus do both of those things in this text, and that's something that we can both take, finding that common ground with somebody. Um, and it takes a little bit of work sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going out of your way to, to serve them, and that's really how you begin to, to learn uh, from them. And then unity, learning together. Yeah, that's great. Did you wear that same shirt on your first date with Lindsay? Uh, a killer plaid shirt there? I did not. Okay, I just I was going to say that would be pretty amazing if you did. So I, I love what Ross said. He was just talking about finding that common ground. And I want to share just really quickly some things. And I think this is what we all have in common. So I think all of us need to, to grow in this, this area because, you know, there can be some, some deep-seated prejudice that we have towards anybody who's different from us. But so what do we have in common? Here, here's a couple things that have been just super helpful to me is I, I think about, you know, Ross just shared. So I want to talk to you. We, here, here's what you and I have in common as a human being. We're equal in sin. The Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're, we're equal in, in sin. You know, second, secondly, as a brother in Christ, we're equal in our salvation. You know, the Bible says, for by grace have we been saved through faith, not by works. It's a gift of God. And so you and I have a relationship with God on the same terms, right? Grace through faith. So we're, we're equal in our sin. And we're also equal in our, our salvation. And so I would say this. We've been adopted, you and I have been adopted into the same family, right? All of us sitting here, we've been adopted into the same family. And I've said this before, uh, but I'll say it again. I feel more that I have more in common with a black brother who's in Christ than I do a white brother who is not in Christ. And I think that's biblically accurate, right? So we, 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 we share those things in common, right? But then the last thing that we share in common, this is super helpful, and I, I think all of us need to, need to think about this. We're equal in worth. You know, why are we equal in worth? Because the Scripture says in Genesis 1, 26 and 27 that, that we've been created in the image of God. And so that gives us worth. And so this is how God sees us. And then this is how we are to see each other. And, and that's focusing on what we have in common. And that makes a, makes a big difference. And I want to talk just for a second about worth because I, I have a personal belief that so much of prejudice is fueled by insecurity, mm-hmm. right, in, in a person's life. And so if you don't know who you are and what you're worth, you're going to be a dangerous person yeah. in so many ways. And so this is what we have in common is we have, we have equal worth. But worth is really defined uh, by its manufacturer who created it. Now, here's what I know about you. You drive. A lot of people don't know. I mean, you're a stylish guy. I mean, you, you. I mean you, there's Thank no you. question about Thank that. You. And I'm feeling more stylish because I'm wearing the same shirt exactly. as Ross. You are, you are winning, man. <laughs> but your car, is, your car is cool. Thank you. But it, it, it is, at the same time, it's a station wagon. It, it is a sports wagon. Okay. <laughs> sports wagon. <laughs> it is a sports wagon. It's, you, you, miss, you misspoke. It's, it's sports a, wagon. It's a, <laughs> Some used to call it a station right, wagon. I, I call it a sports wagon. Yeah. I feel better about myself. Yes. Nick drives a station wagon. It's the coolest station wagon I've ever seen. Uh, so you know a little bit about cars, right? Yes. So, so if, if I think about this, if I think about a, a, a Cayenne okay. or a Chevette, okay. which Ca- one you want? Cayenne, bring it on. Why do you Come want on. a Cayenne? Because it's made by Porsche. Let's it's, go. Yeah. <laughs> so I, we, this, we hadn't practiced. No, this. no but I this just, is glorious. I just threw it out. I of mean. course. That was an easy, a Porsche Cayenne. Mm. You want a Cayenne over a Chevette because yeah. if you're a Chevy person, no, no offense here, 
but a Cayenne is worth a whole lot more because who manufactured exactly. it, right? Mm -hmm. And so your worth and my worth, we have been created by the king. And so that mm -hmm. gives us value, and that's mm -hmm. what we share in common. So when we begin to see each other that way, it makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. But also this thought about worth, something is, is, is really only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. Yeah. All right, one day you're going to sell that station wagon. Maybe. <laughs> it's a pretty cool sports when wagon. When your kids cool. are grown and you get to step up to a truck. So, whoa! That, that, that would be a great day. That was a little shade you threw away. I appreciate it. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, so, you'll say, I think my station wagon's worth $15,000. Mm -hmm. But your station wagon, sports wagon, excuse me, <laughs> okay. is only worth what somebody is willing to pay for yeah. it. Yeah. That, that, that's really how we yeah. define worth. Something is only worth what somebody's willing to pay for. But, but here's the truth about us in Christ. The Son of God gave his life for us. Oh, yeah. That was what was the price for us. That's what was paid for our life. Our life. So that's what we have in common. So we're equal in sin, we're equal in salvation, yeah. and we're equal in worth. And I think if we can stay there, uh, it can really begin to drop yeah. some walls in, in all of our lives. So... Let's look on down at verse 9. And I know my wife gives me such a hard time about this. She says, just read through the story. You keep stopping so many times. And so, so again, here's where we are. Jesus forces, he, he goes through Samaria. He had to go through there. He has this encounter, as Ross reminded us, with this Samaritan woman at the well. He has a drink uh, there with her. Has a drink of water. I have to be careful there, right? A drink, drink of water there. And, and verse 9 is interesting, uh, Nikki. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, mm -hmm. right? Um, maybe that's a little racially charged, mm -hmm. right, uh, to a certain extent. You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Now, Jesus doesn't come, he doesn't, in the story, he doesn't tell her he's a Jew. Obviously, she knows that by the way he looks, the way he talks, and the way he dresses. She sees that he's a Jew. And she says, how can you ask me for a, a drink because... Your people don't associate with my people. And so she's, she's talking about the differences there. So this is a, this is a tough question and, and a loaded question. But there are so many things about our, our we're different, but that, is, that can be such an incredible thing. I, I think Nick or, or Ross One brought that out. I think Ross brought that out. There are some amazing things about our, our differences that we, we have. And right. I love that. But there are some real challenging things because of sin there are challenging things that, that you experience as an African-American woman, an African-American mom, mm -hmm. that uh, white moms don't really experience, right? right? And so uh, would you be okay just to talk maybe just a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, there, it's just uh, kind of become the norm, unfortunately. I think when I realized that it's just like, this is not normal. This should not be a normal conversation. These should not be normal conversations that we're having with our son, but we do. We do have to talk to him about what to do if he, not just if he's pulled over. I know a lot of people talk through that, but honestly, during quarantine, we're like, okay, you can't just stay here and play video games. Get up, go do something, go run. And he's been running. And my husband had a conversation with him talking about you know, make sure you don't run during on these certain streets or these areas because, you know, it's kind of an alley. It may look like you. Why are you running? Someone may think you took something. Something could come up missing. You know, just there are just so many things. So instead of running, 
there, he's like, just run through the grass. I'd rather you roll an ankle than something else happen, you know? And I know so many people would think, well, that is kind of strange to have that conversation. Well, we had that conversation with him and hey, don't, when you have your AirPods in, just have one in, maybe don't have your, your volume up too loud, be aware of your surroundings. Those were the conversations we had before we heard the story of Ahmaud Arbery. So even hearing that story, it's just like people would think that's crazy. Why would you need to share that information with him? But then you see that video and you realize that it is important and necessary to share that information with him. Yeah. And I can remember you and I talked just right after Ahmad's death. And and you were sharing that with me. And I love Tavian. Uh, Amy and I love him. And that's just something that raising two boys ourselves, we, we never thought about. I never had a conversation with my boys about where they were going to, to run. Yeah. Mainly because they didn't run. They needed to do that. <laughs> but if they would, let's just say if they would have, right? I would have never had that conversation, yeah. you know? And so it's different. And I have to acknowledge that, right? There are yeah. challenges that, that are unique to you that I just... I just have never grown up with or dealt with, and that's something that is heartbreaking. And we just, you know, it would be great in our generation that we could see that change. You you shared with me that you're, as a a young Mm African-American man, your dad did have that conversation with Mm you about being pulled over. Yeah, and my dad had to, when I was of driving age, my dad gave me a play-by-play. He's like, all right, son. If ever you get pulled over by a police officer, make sure your hands are always seen. Make sure that you never make any sudden movements. Make sure you say yes, sir, and no, sir, and always be respectful because you don't want the police officer to think that you're being disrespectful. Never move until they tell you to move. Have everything you need, your license, your registration, of anything else that you may need, and just be very polite and do whatever they say. And, um, you know, growing up, I just thought every kid must have this conversation when they start driving. I mean, because my dad had it and I guess his dad had it with him and so on and so forth. But, you know, and as I was sharing that story with you, you're like, nope, that's not the same thing I told my boys mm-hmm. when I when they started driving. It just makes you aware of, yes, differences are beautiful, but also some of the differences are hard yeah. and they're weighty and they are not right and they don't reflect what should be. And, um, and that's just one of them. Yeah. Ross... I wonder what you think about this. And this, these are real things that we need to deal with and think about. Do you feel like that um, maybe through this? Now, obviously, what's happening in our culture today with the peaceful protests, we're all for that. Everybody has a right to do that, and that, that's a great thing. Things, you know, we're not for things just getting crazy and people destroying other people's property. But, but there, what's underneath that for many is just the frustration of you know what nobody really hears nobody has taken the time to really understand that there are different circumstances and situations many times uh, for us as African American men or African American women. Do, do you, are you hopeful that that perhaps through this that there may be a, a greater awareness to that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, as we we joke about 2020 and how we're not going to forget it, but it, it's been a monumental year in so many negative ways, but I think it can be a monumental year in, in a positive way. Just with the outpouring of, of unity that I've seen uh, on social media, the uh, multiple, multiple conversations I've had yeah. with uh, my white brothers and sisters that have just come to me and said, hey, I want to hear you. Mm-hmm. I want uh, to know your experience. I want to know uh, where your fear is, where your pain is. Uh, I want to know what I can do to make a difference. How can I um, help maybe the, the people that are on my side of the fence mm-hmm. to come to the fence and have more conversations? Mm-hmm. Um, these things 
Uh, we, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when uh, racial tensions come up, I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. You're not surprised. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just been the experience that we've lived our whole lives. Uh, but I think this is the first time that I've seen uh, by and large, people stand together mm-hmm. uh, and people really speak out to, hey, we're not going to let this injustice continue. Yeah. We don't want it to continue. We're tired of it. Um, and, and everyone be aligned uh, in trying to make a difference uh, now. And so I am, I'm very hopeful. I think that um, the key is to just continue having the conversations, mm-hmm. uh, continue uh, in prayer, crying out to the Lord and asking him to change hearts and minds. Um, and then just not letting it fall to the back burner in a month, two months, three months, next year, but continuing to be open uh, and continue to push toward change. Yeah. yeah. That's really well said. I appreciate what you had to say. You know, and we talked about this a little bit, and, and I, I think, you know, what you need from Amy and I is to say we, to a certain we we can't change a lot of that, but we can understand that. We can listen to that and we can hear you as a mom and some of the fears that you have that, right. that we don't have. And I think that is something positive that's certainly coming out of it. Let, let's, this, is such a, this is such a great passage, but I want to I wrap this up. If we pick up in verse 10, and I, I know we've jumped in and out of the scripture here, uh, but I, I want to wrap, wrap this story up. So, again, Jesus is here in, in Samaria. He didn't have to go that way. The average Jew would have never gone that way. But he goes that way. He steps into this difficult, awkward uh, tension, prejudice, all that's there. He has this encounter with this woman at, at the well, and walls are beginning to, to come down. And so he asks her for a drink, and that really kind of catches her uh, you know, off guard. Um, and and she, she wants to know, why are you as a Jewish man asking me this? This doesn't, this doesn't make any sense. In other words, I don't think this has ever been an experience that she'd had before. It's truly unique. And Jesus' words to her now in verse 10 are amazing. Jesus answers her and he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. This is powerful. This is running water. This is the water that changes everything, that washes over everything, flowing in. And that's what we need in our life because of all that's there, the prejudice, right? Uh, The discrimination, the hatred, the complacency, right? All those things that are there just needs to be washed out through the power of the gospel. And that's what Jesus is is saying. Sir, the woman said, she, she doesn't get it yet. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? She's interested. Mm-hmm. Because who wouldn't be? Yeah. But also because all these walls have begun to come down because she's really had a person who truly cares for her. And, mm-hmm. and uh, where can we get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? There's Jacob again, right? There's this, there's this common ground who gave us the well and drank from it himself, and as did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that's the fear I think we all have sitting here, that we just go back and, and, yeah. and we don't learn anything through this tragedy that has happened in our country. Yeah. But that truly on the other side of this, that, that we, could be, we could be different. But Jesus says, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become, I love this phrase, in them, right? Because that's where change happens, right? Change... Uh, I, this is a this is a controversial thing, and 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 people will take this out of context, and 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 you have to be careful here. I'm for good legislation. You know, I, I think great legislation can, it can be helpful, 
But true change always happens from the inside out. Yeah. It, 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 there won't be laws from Washington that will change this situation. Because change, I believe, ultimately happens one life at a time that we're really changed from the inside out. See, laws try to change us from the outside in, yeah. right? In your sports wagon, it may say go 55 miles an hour, but you go 65. I mean, the law is there, right? And again, we're for good laws, but Jesus is offering something totally different. And that's what's in play for us as the church. As the church. We have this message uh, to share. So everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but the water I give them indeed will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, sir, give me this water. <laughs> Sign me up for that. <laughs> I want some of that. I, I just think this, when the gospel is clearly displayed, when people see that, they have such a desire for it, but we've so clouded it. Sir, give, give me this water uh, so that I won't have to keep coming here to draw water. And then... It's, it's almost like the record is playing. It just kind of gets ripped off. And Jesus asks this question, and we're like, what in the world? <laughs> Jesus, you almost had her. She was ready to sign the commitment card, right? Yeah. And she was coming forward. Just go ahead and close the deal. You, you got her. He told her, go call your husband and come back. And that's when the music stops. She's like, and, and if you know this story, um, she's on man number six, and she's not married. She's been married five times. And she's just living with her, her, her six. And so what is, Jesus, what is Jesus doing? Well, he's going right down to the heart of the matter. He's really showing us what the real problem is. Uh, and, and here's what, what I believe. A person of vision sees racism as a sin problem, not a skin problem. And I think that's, that's really true. Ultimately, the problem is not the difference in our skin. The problem is the difference in our heart, right? And that's what Jesus is saying. Uh, go, go get your husband. He, he wanted to call that out because there has to be, before a person can be converted, a person has to be convicted, right? Before a person can reach out for a savior, they have to understand what they're being saved from. And sin is this great separator. And Jesus is, is dealing with that. And it's a, it's a brilliant question. Uh, but here's another thing that you and I talked about this week that, that I love. It, you know, every time that, that, Someone teaches, like myself, teaches on this passage, well, Jesus is exposing her sin. Mm -hmm. And that's true. Yeah. But he's also exposing her false gods, mm -hmm. right? It's relationship mm -hmm. was, was her false god. I mean, she was looking for somebody to satisfy her. And it's a very sad story. She's on God number six. It's not happening, right? And so what Jesus is saying is there's something that will satisfy you. It's me, you know? And so I think this will never enthrone... Christ as our king until we dethrone these false gods that we have. And I, I think that's what, what Jesus is, is doing here. Um, and then ultimately, if you, if you, if you know, know the story, if you, read, you, know, you guys know the story, if those of you at home, you can finish reading. This woman ultimately puts her trust in, in Jesus as Messiah. She goes back to her town and she sparks a movement. Come right? on. You know? yeah. And I think that's what everybody wants right now. We want to be a part of a movement. Yeah. Well, a, a movement happens when a heart is changed. Yeah. One heart at a time. And I think that's what um, needs to happen. I, I'm going to say this as we, as we close, and, and I think you guys will agree. Any push for change that isn't rooted in the gospel is going to always ultimately fall short. And so I, I think the... You know, I, I think that's the work that we, we have in front of us today because the real problem here, again, is, as we've said, it, it's, it's, not a, it's not a skin problem. It's a sin problem. And here's the truth. Sin has a solution. 
That's what gives me hope, right? I'm not hopeful that there's going to be laws passed that are going to change people and it's going to be a better day because of, of what, what politicians are going to do or that we're going to have corporations that, that do more training, more sensitivity training. And so that none of that stuff is bad. I think that's, that's good. But I'm hopeful because the core problem, Jesus calls it out, is a sin problem and he's the solution, right? And, and, and so what he does is he gives us a new heart. And when a person has a new heart, then everything changes, right? Hatred dies, and really, love comes alive. Forgiveness and reconciliation, that's where the hope is. And so I think the church, I think there's a lot for us here today as, as we close this, this out. We sat in the middle of a, a difficult time in our, our, our country, a divisive time, but we also sit with the answer that could really radically change that. And so for you, if you're watching today, and you know what, to be honest, you haven't liked this. Um, this has bothered you. This is a hard thing for me to say, but, but this whole thing has bothered you. Pastor Bray, why, why, why are you doing that? And, and, and it's been uncomfortable, and, and you've had a counterpoint to every point that's been made. Um, you know, it, it could be that in, in your heart, Racism is still alive. Prejudice is still alive. And, and all of this is pointing to, a, to the fact that is so crucial that you need a new heart. This has revealed it. And instead of fighting against that, you could embrace the change that only the gospel can bring. For others as believers to realize that, boy, sometimes people say, well, well when will this be over? Well, it'll be over when Jesus comes back. <laughs> you know? Because as long as one man is alive with an unredeemed heart, then racism will still be alive. But the truth is, every heart that is redeemed by Jesus Christ really strikes a blow against racism and gives us more and more hope. And that's the message that we have to share. I think it encourages us all to be bold with the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the hope of change. Let me pray for us. Guys, thank you for doing this. Uh, it was really helpful to hear from you, and I learned a lot. And I know everybody watching today learned a lot and was just really blessed by what you had to say. And really blessed by your shirt, too. That was great. I feel like the berries are coming down. We're dressed like it looks, it looks great. Let, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And, Lord, these are difficult, difficult days. Thank you for the truth that we see. And, Lord, uh, help us just to, to learn from what we've seen uh, in, in the life of, of your son handling a difficult situation. Help us to apply that to our lives. And Lord, we just want to see change in our day. And we're, we realize there is no change without you being at the center of it. So Lord, if you need to, to come into hearts and lives and bring forgiveness, uh, Lord, uh, as we've looked at this text, there are things that, that we need to repent of even as believers and begin to step into the uncomfortable things and, and find some, some common ground. Lord, I pray you do it in our heart and our life uh, for your glory and the good of your people and our nation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.